This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. If you take your Bibles, and just for a few minutes, I want to share with you some things from 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, they didn't tell me when I had to stop preaching, so I, I got in a pulpit one, one Sunday morning, and there was a Bible verse taped to the pulpit, and it just said, Job 8.2. Job 8.2. And I thought, what's that? You know, I don't know Job 8.2. I memorize scripture, but that's not one of the verses. So I turned and looked, and it says something, something like, you know, how long will we have to endure your words? Or... <laughs> That's funny. And I looked around, and I couldn't tell who did it, you know, because they, they all know who did it, but I never found out. So I thought, okay, that's funny. Well, a couple of weeks later, I went in, and the, the clock was off the wall, and somebody had hung a big calendar back there. Yeah, so I'll try not to, uh, I'll try not to go so long tonight. But anyway, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I want to read verses 1 through 5. After that, I'll pray, and then I want to just share some things from this passage that I think is very applicable to Christians today. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Father, thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you that you've given us instruction. You've given us something that will challenge us and correct us. And I ask now, Lord, that as I begin to share these things from the word of God, as I preach your word, that, Father, you will speak to our hearts. May every heart be open, every ear ready to hear. And that Father will not only hear, but also obey. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Timothy is what we call a pastoral epistle. It was written from Paul to Timothy. Timothy was a pastor, and so we call it a pastoral epistle. But that doesn't mean that if you're not a pastor, you don't have to read that book. Okay? You do need to read it. There's lots of good stuff in 2 Timothy. We all need to be very carefully following the instruction that's given to us. So as Paul begins to write to Timothy, he starts out here in chapter 4 and verse 1, and he says, I charge thee therefore before God. That's how he begins this chapter. Now, I want to explain to you, first of all, what a charge is, because this means uh, a charge is not, you know, with a credit card. That's not a charge, okay? The charge is not what you say to your horse when you want to go fast across the field. That's not a charge. In this case, the word charge means a very serious a very binding command. So what we're about to look at here in chapter 4 is not God's suggestions. God doesn't make suggestions. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't, but he doesn't make recommendations. God doesn't give out good advice. If he tells you to do something, it immediately becomes a command. And so what we have here in God's word is a command. He says, I charge thee therefore. Now whenever you see the word therefore, it's connecting something. And in this case, it's connecting chapter 3 to chapter 4. Somebody said that when you see the word therefore, you need to ponder for a moment what it is actually therefore. You can think of the word as being something similar to 
and because of this. And so you get chapter 3, and then Paul says, now I'm commanding you because of this to do these things. So you go back to chapter 3, and it starts in chapter 3, and starting in verse 1, it says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then he begins to list the character of man in the last days. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, and the list goes on and on and on. Now I want to point out something to you here in verse 5 of chapter 3, because it helps us to understand that what he's talking about is not just all those people outside the church, but he's also talking about people who claim to be religious. Notice this in verse 5, chapter 3, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So Paul said that the last times are coming. And in those last times, there's another little period of time that he called perilous times. And then you read the list. Now, as you read the list, you come away with the understanding that, you know what? I think we're there. Men are lovers of their own selves and covetous and boasters and proud. And we see all of that uh, in the world that we live in today. Now, I live in Korea. Korea tends to be a little bit more conservative than America as far as the way, you know, people dress or the way people act or, or that sort of thing. And uh, I deal with military folks, and so they've got rules and regulations, and there are things that they can do and things that they can't do. And so I am kind of sheltered where I am, and it's nice. I like it. Don't wake me up. Let me continue in my dream. That's the way I feel. But when I come back to the States, it seems like sometimes I, you know, I see things that just blows my mind. The other day, my son and I, we were at a restaurant, and this, this, this couple came in. And they sat down at the table not too far from us. And the woman had um, like purple hair on one side and yellow, not blonde, yellow hair on this side. And they had, um, you know, nose piercings and piercings here and, and tattoos all up and down. And, and so what was, what was Brother Jim doing? You don't see that in South Korea like that, you know. And I'm, I'm like... My son says, Dad, stop staring. It caught me off guard. I was shocked. Now, you probably wouldn't be shocked. I mean, you, you saw it begin to happen as it began to change. And, and so you're probably used to seeing that sort of thing. And so you don't go, but I do. I still do. And I have to watch myself now because, you know, what are you looking at? Never fight with a guy that has tattoos and chains. That's one of my golden rules, okay? So I don't do that. And so we're living in perilous times. Things are not uh, the way they used to be. And the way they used to be is not as good as it used to be even further back. You think about that. We're living in a time now where it is very difficult, very difficult to share Christ with people because they don't want to hear it. Sometimes it's not because we don't want to say it. Sometimes it's simply because they don't want to hear it. And so Paul begins to tell them, you're going to be in that day, Timothy, and because perilous times shall come, I command you, and then what does he do? He gives them a list of four or five things here, and I want to I touch on a few of these very quickly. The first one is in verse 2, where he says, preach the word. Very simple. Preach the word. Now, that's not just if you're a preacher or, you know, uh, an evangelist or a missionary or a Sunday school teacher. This is really uh, something all of us need to be doing. He says to do it to be instant in season, out of season. 
What does that mean? When you want to and when you don't want to. When you're ready to and when you don't really, you know, feel quite up to the task. You know, the Lord wants us to always be ready to share his word. I remember years ago, um, I was living in Korea. I was in the Air Force at this time. And I was riding a bus. I had to ride the bus to go home uh, from work every day. I rode the bus to work and I rode the bus home. And there were a lot of GIs just like me. They lived off the base and they rode the bus. So you could get on the bus and there would be, I mean, the bus would be packed with people. Sometimes if you got on the bus and you reached up to hold the ring because you didn't need a seat, so many people would get on you couldn't get your arm down. No kidding. So you got on and you leaned up against something because your arm would get tired and you don't want to, you know. So I got on the bus and thankfully I got a seat. So I'm sitting there and there's a military guy sitting right beside me. And this was right after harvest. And in Korea, what they do when they harvest the rice, after harvest, they'll burn the fields. And so I'm sitting there and I had an especially rotten day. I didn't want to read my Bible, which is what I normally might have been doing, or going over some scripture verse memorization, you know, that's what I might have been doing. But on this day, I had a rotten day, so I'm sitting there, and I don't want to think about the Lord. I know that's never happened to you. Y'all are much more spiritual than me. But that's how I felt on that day, and so I, I didn't want to think about the Lord. But I'm sitting right next to this guy, and the Lord just kind of speaks to my heart, and he says, talk to him. No. Talk to him. No. Talk to him. No, Lord, I'm not, you know, I tell you what, Lord, put him on the bus tomorrow morning, have him get in his seat right beside me, and tomorrow I'll talk to him. But you know today, I, I can't talk to him. You know how, how my day's been. Talk to him. This goes on for like five miles. Me and the Lord having an internal argument, and I don't want to. It's not the right season. It's out of season for me. Now, they're burning the fields. The fields are, you know, there's lots of fire all over the place. And this guy turns to me, and the smoke is just billowing across the road. And he turns to me, and he says, man, that's a lot of fire. Sure wouldn't want to be stuck in that field with all that fire. <laughs> yes, and you know, there's a real place called hell, and that's where people go if they die without Jesus Christ. Lord, that was a dirty, rotten trick you just put in. <laughs> in season... Out of season. It doesn't matter. And it goes on to say, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I like that word, doctrine. You know, you're not witnessing if you invite people to church. But I'll tell you, as a pastor, I like it when they invite people to church. I like it when people come to church. So I'm not saying don't do that. But understand that that's not really sharing the gospel, is it? When was the last time that you actually shared Christ? Not church, but Christ. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. I don't necessarily like that word long-suffering, and probably you don't either. Because long-suffering means that when you get the chance to share your faith with somebody and they respond, you know, kind of mean, you go home and you pray about it once, that's not long-suffering. Long-suffering means to suffer a long time. And sometimes that's exactly what it takes, but we have to do it. Why? Because in the last days, perilous times will come. We're living in those days. Therefore, we are commanded to preach doctrine, to tell people the gospel. And then he goes on to say in verses uh, 3 and 4, he says that the time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. 
But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they'll turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, I know that this doesn't happen here, but, you know, I'm a pastor, and from time to time, I don't get positive feedback. Somebody said to me once, Pastor, why do you preach so long? I said, I don't know. Why, how can you sit in front of a movie for three hours? But you can't handle the preaching of the Word of God for 40 minutes. Why do you preach so long? Pastor, why do you keep telling us about hell? You're scaring the children. I don't know. Why do you sit down in your living room and watch a horror movie with them? You know, the truth is they just didn't want to hear the truth. There was a limit. We'll put God in his little box on Sunday morning. We'll take him out and play with God. And, you know, Monday through Saturday, God goes back in the box and we do our own thing. I, Pastor, I only come to church to look religious. I only have a form of godliness. Remember chapter 3? This is the time that we live in. And we are commanded to preach the word, whether we want to, whether we like it, or whether we don't. I want to share with you now a couple other things from verse 5. If you go down to verse 5, he says, watch thou in all things. In other words, you are not only supposed to preach the word, but you're also supposed to practice watchfulness. Uh, back in the old days, you know, in the Roman days, they had the soldiers that were on the wall. They were watchers. They were watching for the enemy because they knew the enemy was going to come. It was just a matter of when, not if, but when the enemy was going to attack. Now, we have an enemy. We've got the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we have to watch. It's not a question of if temptation will come. It's a question of when it's going to come. So you need to constantly be on guard. I read a story about Alexander the Great and how he had, he had one night, he got up and he got on his horse and he was riding around his camp and he got to a place where one of the soldiers was sleeping. So he got off and he just stood guard there and waited for the soldier to wake up. And then he woke up. And I try to imagine, how would I feel? I wake up and here is Alexander the Great. And he's standing watch for me. And I wake up and, you know, he had to be filled with fear immediately. And Alexander the Great looked at him and he said, son, what is your name? And the soldier so happened to have the same name. He said, Alexander, sir. And Alexander the Great said, either change your name or change your ways. Now, the Lord has every right to say that to us, doesn't he? We call ourselves Christians. Christian means to be Christ-like, to be a watcher on the wall, to watch because the enemy is coming is an important thing. Now, I want you to notice something else in verse 5. He also says to endure afflictions. Hey, did you know that the Christian life is not easy? If you haven't figured that out yet, you will. If you're doing your job, you're going to find that your life will be filled with persecution. Go back again to chapter 3, look at verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if you are doing your job, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of, of when. It's going to come. Persecution will come. There will be hard times. Now, I know that there are guys in the world today that like to write books to tell you about your best life now and all of that stuff. But the reality is my best life is not now. Amen. My best life is coming. But if you're lost, this is the best that you're ever going to see. Without Christ, this is it. After this, you die and you go to an eternity in a burning place called hell. 
that's not what I would consider a best life. So I would highly encourage you, if you're here and you're not saved, I would highly encourage you, don't leave this church until you grab somebody and say, what do I do? How do I get to be saved? Because your eternity hangs in the balance. So we need, as Christians, to be able to endure afflictions, to go through it. Why? Well, because we're living in the last days, we're living in perilous times, and men don't want to hear the word of God, and if we don't tell them, where are they going to hear it? In Romans, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that they're, they're, you know, how can they believe without a preacher? And that's not just one of me or one of them, but that's talking about all of us believers sharing the word of God with people that we work with. You probably got friends that are, that are lost, family members that are lost. What have you done to change that? That's the challenge. And when you start doing that, you can be sure that they're not going to like you. I, my father, he, he kind of, you know... Uh, disowned me. He said, you think you're too good for the family? I said, no, I don't. I don't. In fact, I, I believe I'm a pretty rotten guy, but I know, I know what you need. He didn't want to talk to me. He didn't talk to me for a long time. It was probably months before he ever talked to me again. But you know what? He's saved now. He's saved now. I wish that happened in every case, but I'm glad it happened in his. The last thing I want to show you is, is what he says in uh, the end of verse 5. He says, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Notice this, starting in verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. What was, Tim, what, what was Paul saying? He's saying, Timothy, I'm going to be gone soon. As far as we know, this was the last thing that Paul wrote, at least the last inspired thing that Paul wrote. And he told Timothy, I'm done. My life is over. I'm going on. There's waiting for me a crown of righteousness. So what's he doing? Paul is saying, Timothy, you need to do these things because I'm not going to be here anymore. You need to carry the baton now. Now, I want you to think about the generation that we, you know, we like to make fun of the millennials, right? Any millennials here? I won't make fun of you. I promise. Here's a couple. He won't raise them. He's like, yeah. How about Gen Zers? Any Gen Zers? We're like, yeah. Okay. Well, he, see, they're brave. They're like, yeah, I'm a Gen Zer. That's right. Me. We like to make fun of these younger generations sometimes. I never thought that I would hear myself say that, making fun of the younger generations. You know what's, you know what's interesting? Here, here's what I found out. I found out that it's very odd to be the same age as old people. But we make fun of the younger generations and we say, look at them. They think they're entitled and they think, you know, that the world owes them everything. Well, who taught them that? We did. We trained them up that way. We didn't do a good job of passing the baton. That's the mess that we have. That's the reason why we're in the mess that we're in as a nation. The problem with America is not the Democrats. It's the Christians. That's the truth. And I don't want to go too long because somebody's going to take down the clock and put up a calendar. But I will say this. I've given you four things that we need to be doing in the last days. Preach the word. Practice watchfulness. Very important. Persevere afflictions. And then prove your ministry. I don't know what your ministry is. I know what mine is. I know when I die and I have a tombstone. You know how they write neat things on your tombstone about you? I always wanted mine to say, of whom this world was not worthy. You know, well, that'd, be, that'd be cool. But, you know, I'm probably not going to get that. You know, you don't get to write your own. 
You don't. You don't get to write your own saying. Somebody else is going to describe you, and they'll probably do something nice, but what if they wrote the truth? Right? We need to be proving our ministry. I'm going to pray, and after that, I'll turn the, turn the service back over to Pastor Asher. And again, thank you very much for the opportunity to come and share with you what we're doing in Korea. And uh, pray for us. Um, it's not easy, but it's always a joy. It's always fun. I, I promise you, not a, not a week goes by that I don't have some wonderful story I could share with you about some great things that God is doing. You've got your stories too, but pray for us. We need the Lord's guidance every day. We need His strength every day. Uh, like I said, it's not easy, but it sure is exciting. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Help us, Father. We, we know we're living in a tough time. You've given us your word to command us how we ought to be approaching the world in which we live. Help us to be faithful in that. And I know, Lord, that we don't have to be uh, a great spiritual giant to share the scriptures with someone. Help us just have that heart to do so, that you'll give us the open door, and that, Lord, as we're faithful to you, you'll bless, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.